Thank you, Pastor Victor. We're so appreciative of Pastor Victor Armando, her Hispanic ministry. Thank you for being here with us in the big house. We're glad to have all of our Hispanic uh, congregation uh, joining together with us. And uh, it's really a little bit of a picture of heaven. So thank you. So we appreciate uh, the uh, unity of coming together before the Father in heaven. We're going to spend a little bit of time talking about the importance of what we're doing here today. It's a whole matter of praising God. You have an outline in your bulletin there. I encourage you to take a look at that because I want us to focus on what is a core thing that we're all about here at Calvary Church and uh, allow God's Word to be sort of that hymnal that leads us in the direction that He would have us to go. So it's all about praising God this morning. God's call for us to praise Him. I love this quote that helps to remind me what's important to God in life. And it goes like this. We're not just human beings having a temporary spiritual experience, but we're spiritual beings having a temporary human experience. Because it's really easy for me to get kind of caught up in the things of this world, whether something's broken, needs to be repaired, sort of be consumed with the things of this world, and we should be responsible for the things of this world. But as I read about the life of Jesus, Jesus is constantly focusing us on the spirit world, on his world. John 18, he talks about, I'm not of this earth. My kingdom is of another world. I'm not of this world, he says. And so, so much of Scripture is, is healing the sick, and we think that's good. It's providing water to wine. It's, it's calming the seas. These, these are great and wonderful, powerful things that God does. And we all want our financial needs to be met. We want a good job. We want a good place to live. These have value. But God never wants us to mistake these things as the all-important issue that He has for us. So Jesus in his, in his, you just read through his life, he's constantly pushing his disciples to think eternal values as opposed to the temporary human experience. So this service, as every Sunday should be, is to help remind us that although we have a lot of concerns in the world that are physical, that are, that are uh, financial, that are material, and God cares about those, and we pray about those things, He wants to keep bringing us back to those things that are eternal. So we're going to use one psalm, one of the shortest psalms in the Bible. It's Psalm 150. If you have a Bible, use the Bible in the chair rack if you don't have a Bible. But please, if you would turn to Psalm 150, I want to read through this and show you how this psalm really breaks down in a very simple way that guides us in the things that God wants us to know. For example, as this worship guide directs us, in verse 1 it says this, Praise the Lord, praise God in His sanctuary, praise Him in His mighty expanse. The first thing that God wants to remind us is who are we to praise? Well, you praise the Lord. The second question that is asked and answered why are we supposed to praise Him? Verse 2. Praise Him for these things, His mighty deeds. Praise Him according to His excellent greatness. And then the psalmist says, well, how should we worship the Lord? What should be part of that worship experience? And a lot of us have different definitions as to what that should look like. You know, there's a lot of subjectivity to music and style and ingredients of instruments. So God says, let me give you a whole host of variety. So how should we praise God? Verse 3 through 5. 
Praise him with a trumpet sound. Praise him with a harp and lyre. Praise him with timbrel and dancing. Praise him with stringed instruments and pipe. Praise him with loud cymbals. Praise him with resounding cymbals. So, okay, Ken likes resounding cymbals. Loud cymbals actually hurt my ears, so please don't ever do that again, all right? (laughs) And then the last question that is asked and answered is, how or who is to praise him? Let everything that has breath praise the Lord, praise the Lord. So if you're breathing here today, you are to be worshiping the Lord. If you're not breathing, you have a pass. And so this is the quality that God wants us to go through this. So let me just break it down a little bit more. Who are we to praise? Again, reminding of verse 1. He says, praise the Lord, praise God in a sanctuary. It's interesting that there's two places that God says, I want you to praise me. I want to be the centerpiece of what you're doing. In the sanctuary, this is what we would refer to as a sanctuary. A sanctuary is a holy place. It is, it is a, like, like sanctification. It is, it is being set apart from those things that are the mundane things of the world and into the holiness of God. It's the eternal values of God. So we praise Him in the sanctuary. That's why we gather together at least once a week. And we praise Him in the mighty expanse. This is the heavens and the earth. This is the external. These are everywhere we go. We are here to be a, an instrument of praising God. So whether in this building or in the world out there in the heavens, we're to be praising the Lord. Psalm 35, 18 puts it this way. I will give you thanks in the great congregation. I will praise you among the mighty throng. One of the things the Scripture constantly teaches us, and sometimes we lose this in certain segments of our society today, is to the importance of the local church. I've heard of many people who say, I am a spiritual person, but I'm not particularly religious. And by that they mean, I don't join an organization, I'm not part of a local church, I don't think it's important that I need to gather together on Sunday, because I have a constant relationship with God in my own heart, in my own spiritual realm. Well, the congregation that we should be part of is great, and in that congregation that would be us today is a place where we give thanks. God says it's important that we gather together to do that, whether it's the great congregation or it's the mighty throng, which talks about just another another poetic way of saying somewhat of the same thing, the people of God. And God wants us to understand this. I'd like to quote myself. Often I like to quote great people, but today I'm just going to quote myself. And so there was a time when I said this, This is about six months ago, if you don't remember. So let me quote me. We seek to avoid a consumer-minded worship where each person gets what they want. Rather, we seek to develop a God-centered worship so we each can give to Him what He deserves. We must remember, Jesus Christ is the audience. We are His choir. We've gathered together to praise Him. This experience right now, it's not about me. It's not about you. It's not about what I want. It's not what tunes I prefer, instruments that I desire. It's about what does God want? What does God want from me? I have gathered together not to watch the band do their thing. I've gathered to give God what He deserves, the glory and the praise. Scripture is so profoundly important in that way. 
Because too often I'll come to church and want to hear what I want to hear. And God says, no, Dave, I'm the audience. You're a choir. Give me my praise. And so that's why the psalmist says it repeatedly, that God is the person that we gather to honor and to praise and to glorify. So we gather together so that God is the audience. I hope that's not a new truth for many of us here today. That's who we praise. Why do we want to praise God? Praise Him for His mighty deeds. Praise Him according to His excellent greatness. The psalmist gives us two reasons why we should praise God. And again, I hope this is not a newsflash for us, but let me break it down in this way. So why do we praise Him? Number one, because of His mighty deeds. He has done great things. He's done a work in our lives. I love the testimonies of these. From Nate all the way up, it's powerful to see the work of God in people's lives. We need to gather together because, as we heard, it's easy to forget that He is a mighty God who does great works. So we gather so we can tell Him, thank you for your mighty deeds. And secondly, we tell Him praise because of who He is. Not simply because of what He does for me, but because of His excellent greatness, His character, His attributes, the value of the the essence of who God is. The more I see who God is, the more I want to praise Him because He's outstanding. Whether He does anything that I want Him to do for me or not, I am here to praise Him simply because of His attributes and His character. Psalm 78 put it this way. We will not conceal them. What will we not conceal God's work and God's character? From the children. But tell it to the generation to come. The praises the Lord and His strength and His wondrous works that He has done. So it is a repetition of constantly talking about what has God done, who is God in His character. Now, I'm going to give you a couple of examples of that. We've heard already from the baptismal of people where the work of God is going on in their lives. We give glory to God because Christ saves people. We don't save people, but we're thankful for the folks that have been saved by Jesus. But we also see Him working both locally in our community. We also see Him globally around the world like in Iran. So here's a couple of videos that shows the local work of God that we're supporting this Thanksgiving season as well as the global work of God that in many ways we're supporting this Thanksgiving season as well. So take a look at a couple of videos that reveal that to us. We are here at the Orange County Rescue Mission uh, playing wiffle ball with SoCal FCA Baseball Urban Ministry. Uh, It's our third week in a row um, just coming out playing wiffle ball with the kids, with the residents that live here. coming to minister to the kids has just turned out to be so much more. Uh, the adults and the kids just absolutely love it. Bible time, coaches time, know your coaches. Um, sweet. Handing out baseball cards, licorice at the end, uh, opening up God's word, uh, just being challenged, uh, living out uh, the calling of stepping foot, reaching the last and the lost for Jesus.
Isn't that great? Wonderful. That comes from Elam Ministries, our Thanksgiving offering this week that hopefully you've heard about. We highlighted it on Thursday. A letter went out about it as well. We're inviting donations so that we can give more scriptures into the hands of Iranian people, like these people who have read the Word of God in Farsi and have converted to Jesus Christ, some from Muslim religion, and that God is doing a mighty work. They go to Turkey and they are baptized because there is no freedom in Iran for an expression of their faith. The mighty works of God that He reveals 
around the world, and, and we can have a small part of that as we donate to them as well as to a fellowship of Christian athletes, Jeff McKee and his ministry, reaching kids over there at Orange County Rescue Mission. God is doing a work. So who do we praise? God. No big newsflash there. Why do we praise Him? Because of His mighty deeds, because of His character of greatness. And then the question is, how do we praise Him? Sometimes how we praise Him is where we find a little bit of a collision of ideas. Because we all have our own feelings about how I should praise God. So God says, let me give you some Scripture on the ways that I invite you to praise me. So he lists this passage in verses 3 through 5. As we read earlier, well, I want you to praise me, God would say, with a trumpet. That's a good instrument. On the other hand, some of you would praise him with a harp and a lyre. And I have a little image of a the lyre that is used in those days, the Old Testament days, and David would play some of these harps and these items there as well. Praise him with timbrel and dancing. When's the last time we danced on Sunday morning? <laughs> I'm not inviting you to do that because I don't want to do it. But the point is that God gives us varieties. Miriam was the first worship dancer probably in the history of the world, Moses' sister. David was a dancer. David would get out there. He was so uninhibited, King David, and he worshiped by dancing before God's presence. His wife got upset, wrote him a nasty note, and told him, don't ever do that again. (laughs) Praise him with stringed instruments and a pipe. Praise him with loud cymbals. Praise him with resounding cymbals. God says, I don't want to leave anybody with the impression that I'm not important, but I invite you in a variety of ways to worship me. So God gives us license to do it in a variety of ways. And when I was growing up, it was a piano and it was organ, and it was a hymnal, and it was stanzas one, two, and three, and four, and the men sang verse two, and the women sang verse three, and then we all joined together in verse four, and then we sat down. And that's the way it was every single Sunday. But God says, you know, I I want you to have freedom. So I went through scriptures and found a variety of ways that God teaches us about worship. Well, Psalm 150 says, with a variety of instruments. In Revelation chapter 5, I'm going to show you that verse in just a moment, but it's small groups of leaders. In Revelation 5, 11 through 12, it's a growing chorus, a large group of people. In Revelation 5, 12, he says, I want you to do it with a loud voice. I want people to hear the praise that is in your voice. Don't be quiet about it. On the other hand, in Revelation 8.1, it's a very silent time. I'll read that for you in a moment. Sometimes we should stand. Sometimes we should kneel. We saw that on the image of this video we just looked at. Sometimes we worship with prayer, the incense of saints that, that rise up before holy God. Sometimes we worship with new songs. We sang a new song. I, I've never heard the song we sang a little bit ago. Then on the other hand, we should worship with older songs. How great is our God. Great is thy faithfulness. This is the oldest hymn in the Bible. It was written by Moses. And when we get to heaven, we will sing the oldest hymn there is. Because God says, I don't care whether they're new. I don't care whether they're old. What I care about is, are they accurate? Do they display the glory of my name? And that wonderful hymn that Moses wrote in Revelation 15, 3 and 4 is a wonderful hymn that you and I in heaven will someday praise God with. And so what we see here are these things. In Revelation 5, in an example, 
when he had taken the book, this is the scroll, the last will and testament of God, the four living creatures, these are the angels that are in heaven, and the 24 elders of uh, leadership that is somewhere in heaven and their presence there, they came before the Lamb, and each one holding a harp and golden bowls and full of incense, which were are the prayers of the saints. So there's a gathering together of a group of people to pray, I mean to praise God and to pray. And who are they? They are four angels, and there are 24 elders. So that's 28 people. This is a small choir that gathers together and sings this new song. It's not an old song. It's a new song. So new songs are good with God. And they sing this, Worthy are you, God, Jesus in particular, to take the book. This is the book, The Last Will and Testament, that reveals the history uh, of conclusion of time in the book of Revelation. The rest of the book of Revelation after chapter 5 is all about this book. And to break its seals, for you were slain, referring to Jesus, purchased by God with your blood men from every tribe, every tongue, every people, every nation. So we love integration. We love to have people from all cultures and backgrounds come and gather together to worship because that's heaven's experience. And he said to the God, you have made them to be a kingdom and priests to our God and, and they will reign upon the earth. And so the, there is this little 28-voice choir that is praising God at this point. So God says, I'm good with that. That's part of what heaven's going to be all about. But he says, not only to the 28th voice, and then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the thrones and the living creatures and the elders. And so there is a chorus that joins with the 28th voice choir. And the number of them were myriads and myriads and thousands and thousands, just to say millions. There were millions of angels that are worshiping Jesus. And they were saying with a loud voice, worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom, and might, and honor, and glory, and blessing. Again, heaven's worship, it's all about Jesus. Worthy are you, Jesus, because of what you have done for me. I come and I worship you. And then the chorus even gets bigger. And every created thing which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and the sea, and all things in them, Sometimes, if you're a kid here today, sometimes kids ask, will my dog, my cat, my rabbit be in heaven? Well, I think so, because every created thing, every created thing, in heaven, on the earth, under the earth, in the sea, every created thing, God breathes life into because He is worthy of such praise. Even my daughter's cat will be there praising Penelope. Penelope hates me, but in heaven she will be changed. And so every created thing, this is the huge chorus, many voices of praising God. And they are going to say, we're going to sing together with that chorus to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and dominion forever and ever. And the four living creatures kept saying amen, and the elder just fell down and says, we are so overcome. What an experience. There's nothing placid. There's nothing flat. It's passionate. And they're physically overwhelmed by this worship in heaven. And so what we see is this, this go, growing escalation of praise. It starts out with a 28-voice choir. It grows to millions of angels. And then thirdly, all the creatures of 
the earth, in the earth, in the sea, all gather together. In some miraculous way, they praise God because they finally see him for who he is. Sometimes we need to bow down as the elders fell down and worship God because we're overwhelmed by what he is and who he is and what he's done. Psalm 95, come let us bow down and worship and let us kneel before the Lord and our maker for he is Lord. On occasion, we'll have people that will come and actually kneel here. You can kneel where you're at. We have done that in the past. We haven't done a lot lately, but in the past, I remember us having worship where we invite you to get on your knees before the Lord and say, God, in humility, I come and, and I want to honor you. It's very biblical to do more than just sit and stand in worship of songs that I'm familiar with. Worship is much more than that. We also see that there's times of silence. Sometimes we say, oh, it's too much noise. Then God says, no, there are times where there could be silence and reverence as well because we see in Psalm 8, I mean Revelation 8, when the Lamb broke the seventh seal. Now, the seventh seal is the beginning of the end of the history of the world where God is going to reveal the second coming of Jesus and all that's going to occur with that. So when they understand what's going to happen when Jesus comes back, there was silence in heaven for about a half an hour. (laughs) 29 more minutes. Can you imagine going like this, God, how much longer are we going to do this? And I don't know what a half an hour in heaven looks like. But God says there should be moments when we are so overwhelmed by who God is and what he's doing and what he's going to do that we just stop and that we just pray and that we seek the Lord in that moment of reverence before God. So God says these are ingredients of worship and that if you can breathe, if you can breathe, let everything that has breath, then praise the Lord. So God invites us in the mighty throng, in the great congregation, in the sanctuary, in the mighty expanse, that wherever we are, but particularly for today for us, that we come and we praise him. Who do we praise? God. Why do we praise him? Because of his mighty deeds, because of his greatness of character. How do we praise him? There's a host of ways, and that we want to be unencumbered so that we can come and say, God, whatever would allow us to worship you well today, this is what we will design for this service. We won't look to last week. We won't look to next week. We'll look to say, God, what should we do today on this Sunday that would be within the freedom that you give to us of a variety of ways to worship, whether new songs, whether old songs, whether loud songs, whether quiet times. God, give us the freedom in our hearts to say that, yes, These are parts of your desire for us to praise you. Because when I come here on Sundays, I don't come for what I want. I come to give him what he deserves. Now, Monday through Saturday, I might listen to the songs that I want to listen to. But something happens when the church gathers together that God clearly teaches us that worship, is about him in a very varied way that allows us to see him in a fresh and new light. So we'd like to worship the Lord now. I'm going to pray. We're going to receive our offering. That's part of worship. And then as the offering is passed, I want to show you a little video that 
captures some of the things that God has been doing at Calvary Church over this last fall. It's because of your gifts that allows us to be able to support these ministries. And so we want to thank you and remind you of some of the ways that, that God has been working and that God is still great and that we can still give him praise for these things and that our gifts are always to honor him and the work that he wants to accomplish through us. So let me pray for us. God, help us now as we come before you and we worship you in praise and adoration that you as the audience would hear us as the choir, that we gather together in a variety of ways to let you know, thank you, praise you, worthy are you. So God, help us. Help us, Lord, to put aside the distractions of our own heart and sometimes our own desires to say, God, I, I want this moment to be about you. So my words and my heart I come and want to seek you. Help me, Father, to be your good worshiper as I give our gifts, as we give our gifts, and as we remember the works you've done and as we gather together in praise. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you help me welcome up the uh, next senior pastor of uh, Calvary Church Santa Ana? church that expresses that kind of joy from God to one another and that, that we would leave this place and go out into our community and shine that light to shine that joy into the lives of the people in our community and that we would see many come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior and then they are then invited into our family. We just want you to know that we want to be a place where we are coming together and in this season of change that the thing that doesn't change is God and that what he's asked us to do is that we are faithful to that call to pass on our faith. And so let's not ignore that. Let's not put our heads in the sand, but let's follow hard after the Lord. you, I implore you, let's be a community where we truly connect at a deep level with one another. Let's be a community where we grow in the knowledge and the application of God's Word, that we make decisions and we make plans based on truth and not speculation. And let's be a community that fulfills our ministry, because there's still a lot of work to be done in Santa Ana and Orange County and in each of our lives who are here today. 
So regardless of your age, regardless of your gender, regardless of your ethnic background, regardless of whatever disabilities you may have, fulfill your ministry. Because that's what God has called us to do. And what I want to say to you is that I want all of us to encounter and experience that deep love of Jesus. And that the face of Jesus is smiling today at all of us, at all of you here at Calvary Church. And I pray that you would experience that same intimacy with the Lord. And that we would come out of that, that intimacy, that experience of God with the depth of truth of his word. And we would come out of that united together as one church body. And when we are united as one under Christ, we are not just united so that we feel a sense of, of, of community and comfort. We are united for a purpose. We are united to further the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's why we are here. That's what we'll be about as a church. Amen. that we will go out, and I just say, let's go church. Let's make an impact on our community for Jesus Christ and his name alone. Thank you. Thank you very much.